You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. From inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS4 podcast studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. I'm Dave Griffiths, and joining me, as always, Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins. Guys, finally, we are dropping it a day early this week because it is draft week. Joe is digitally celebrating he is uh, doing dances back at his home because finally this day, this weekend that he has circled on his calendar every every year is finally here. So much planning, so much preparation, so much speculation, so much drama goes into this week. And uh, Joe and Mike, Mike, you've seen it since there was no speculation, no drama, and nothing public about this draft. And now we've grown up with it, just growing bigger and bigger by the year. So uh, obviously... Very many reasons for NFL fans to be excited this weekend. It, it, and Joe will grow out of this. He, he will. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, it's amazing where we've gone from one or two mock drafts, you know, Kuiper and then a few others, to now, what is there, a dozen, two dozen? And Joe hopefully will get his up tomorrow. Uh, but it, and I understand you guys all do your work and you, you really try. You really try to get, <laughs> to get it right. And then when you see the way it comes out, they, they beat it out of me. They beat the interest out of me. Not the interest, but the desire to sort of, you know, project where guys go, who's going to take it, because somebody's going to throw a monkey wrench into it with a trade or whatever. But it's amazing. We're going to see, because of the situation, we're going to see uh, ratings through the roof on Thursday and Friday, Saturday You've got to be a, a, a hardcore to sit there in rounds five and six and seven and all that. But the first two rounds, I think they're going to be monster uh, ratings just because people are tired of watching the 2006 Colts Super Bowl game or the AFC title game. But uh, it, it, I'm, I'm interested to see what the ratings are. I'm sure Joe is itching for Saturday, even if you're not, Mike. Right, Joe? Oh, yeah. I'm excited. You know, those couple six-round picks that the Colts have, I can't wait to see what backups they draft and eventually cut before training camp. But, you know. <laughs> Great show today. Productive show today. Lots on the show today on this Colts Blue Zone podcast. We'll hear from the team's general manager, Chris Bauer. He spoke with the local media via a Zoom call this week, indicating perhaps the team is not done with their trading this uh, spring. Could have one or two more deals before the week is over. More details emerging about the NFL's virtual draft, including one or two hiccups already in the process. We will each make one bold prediction for the Colts draft coming up this weekend. But first, we will start with the Colts re-signing one of their own. That's just coming out today as the Colts um, uh, Colts wide receiver Marcus Johnson has been re-signed by the team. It was announced by his management team on Twitter today. Had a career high, 17 catches, 277 yards, two touchdowns in 2019. Marcus Johnson is the wide receiver the Colts traded for two years ago. They traded tight end uh, Daryl Daniels in the pre- right after the preseason for Marcus Johnson. Needed some wide receiver help. Frank Reich knew Marcus Johnson from his time with the Philadelphia Eagles, brought him over. And when he's played, he's been relatively productive, but... He is a uh, he's been a practice squad member. He's been a low tier on the receiving chart uh, member, but he caught a long touchdown against the Jets two years ago. He caught a long touchdown against uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. He's the type of guy, Mike, that that can be a deep threat, even though he's not obviously the most explosive deep threat in the league or else there would be no um, 
no doubt he'd be re-signing. But nevertheless, he is a he's a he's a Colt at least for now. Yeah, and he he, he helps alleviate the need for depth at the position. In my mind, he doesn't address the top end skill you look for, but he he does give him the the deep threat that that outside of Ty they really don't have. Zach Pascal's not a a deep threat at all. Paris Campbell, we don't know. We think he's more of a slot guy. So I don't mind the signing at all. I, I like the signing, but in my mind, it doesn't. I, I posted earlier today the my top five position needs, and I still got quarterback one, although I can be talked off that ledge very easily. But if they don't come out out of the first or the second round with a wide receiver, I may go uh, stalk Chris Ballard's house in, in Westfield. <laughs> Well, the NFL uh, is planning for a virtual draft, as we have mentioned several times before on this program. And uh, NFL spokesman Brian McCarthy confirmed in a conference call uh, this week that uh, the league will have the ability to pause this virtual live draft at any point in the uh, instance of any, uh, any technical problems or Internet malfunctions or whatever it might be. Um, the uh, NFL's draft reportedly had issues on Mondays. I saw an Adam Schefter tweet that the very first pick, the Cincinnati Bengals pick, number one overall, had technical glitches as the NFL tried to do this run through the draft. So, Joe, as a man who has done many, uh, many, many uh, fantasy football drafts, I know Mike is has done zero, so I'm not going to bring Mike into this discussion you. immediately. But you're welcome. But uh, th- this this is sounding like a bad fantasy football draft right now. I do hope the NFL can get all of its ducks in order by the time Thursday night comes around. Yeah, you know, I, I as someone who's in many leagues and at times this past year has had to do multiple drafts at once, having a commissioner with the ability to pause the draft would have been nice. I got skipped yeah. a couple times, so that's uh, good to hear that, you know, if things aren't working correctly, the NFL might pause the draft to make sure the correct pick comes in, which is all well and good for the draft. It just really makes you wonder how it's going to look for TV. You know, how is that pause? gonna play to your television audience it's it's something we're never you know never seen before hopefully we'll never have to see again hopefully next year we can have you know a a crowd and people out enjoying it but i'm certainly very interested to see not only who is drafted but how the draft goes tomorrow yeah yeah and and as much as planning as they've done and and will do there will be a glitch there there just will be So, so it it I don't know if we'll be privy to it. We'll have, we, we won't have any behind-the-scenes looks, but you've got to go into this draft with the idea that you may have to pause, you may have to do something outside the box, and you are, simply because this is new territory. And, Mike, you've, uh, I've, as I uh, mentioned earlier in the show, that you've seen the, the NFL draft grow into what it is, and it has grown really into – a, a made-for-TV event, and just the past couple of years, they've even expanded it to more of an in-person live event as they've taken it to different cities besides New York, drumming up local interest everywhere, and of course was really they thought was going to culminate in Vegas and be just the incredible show that it possibly is in person, but e- even without the in-person experience, the NFL draft has been has been tailored for television throughout the years, and uh, perhaps uh, began with uh, with an infamous moment that uh, all Colts fans will remember with uh, Bill Tobin and uh, and Mel Kiper from years and years ago. But it, it's it, it's it's an event that will have to undoubtedly change this year, but still somewhat be um, be shaped by the uh, the television viewer right now. It seems to me. 
yeah, we're going to see how creative, which is going to be on ESPN and uh, NFL Network. We're going to see how creative those guys are because there's going to be more dead time. You're not going to have the bro hug between Joe Burrow and, and Roger Goodell. I, I can't imagine. Will, will they do some kind of a virtual? Um, I don't know. But but it, I'm interested because there's going to be a, a, more downtime. More You're not going to be going to – to, you know, b- back in in the green room where you have however many players sequestered, so th- they'll make it work, but but it won't be the same. You just hope that this is the only year they have to resort to this because I, w- one of the all-time moments of the draft in my mind was last year was it the second or third round when they had the uh, player from each team make the pick. Remember, mm-hmm. and Reggie Wayne got up there. In Nashville, and really let let the Nashville crowd have it about how the Colts have owned them and all this, and and that's really what really made the draft. It gave it a lot of personality, and we won't have that this year. But hopefully, in the past or in the future, they can go back to that. We all hope so, for sure. As we look forward to this NFL draft, Colts general manager Chris Ballard took some time with the local media this week, telling them, uh, telling us just where he was thinking what he was thinking and as much as he can, of course, before, uh, before making the picks come this weekend. So let's listen to that interview. Here is Colts general manager, Chris Ballard. You know, just to open, you know, to, you know, in this unprecedented times that we're in and, and, you know, just want to thank, you know, all the healthcare workers, you know, all the first responders, all the people out there that are, making a lot of sacrifices, you know, around the world, not just in our country, but around the world um, to make, you know, to beat this. Um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's heroic, you know, what they're doing. Um, and I don't ever want to lose sight or perspective of where we're at right now, you know, the entire world, you know, what we're trying to defeat. And um, it's something very difficult uh, you know, I, I think our government here in, in Indiana has done a tremendous job um, and the people of Indiana have done a tremendous job, you know, with social distancing, listening to um, what, you know, what the instructions were for us to, you know, to, to stop this thing. And, and, you know, it's been an inconvenience for everybody, but it's been the, it's been the right thing to do. Um, and I always say, you know, there's always light in the darkness. There's, all, there's always light in the darkness. You just got to find it. Um, it's been interesting just with my family being home this last three and a half weeks that we've been able to, you know, I, you know, I almost forget, um, you know, we, we have dinner tonight. You know, we have dinner every night together. Our lives have been taken over by youth sports. I mean, they really had. And look, for the good. I mean, you know, all our kids are active. Um, they've been in youth sports. Um, and so it was hard to get us all together at any point just to just to spend time together um, as a family to eat dinner. I mean, t- little things you kind of take for granted that we're doing now every night um, to watch to watch my kids. It's almost like when I grew up to watch them have to go out and play in the yard and play baseball in the yard and and you know find time with each other. I mean, that's been reward. I'm not gonna lie, that's been very rewarding. Um, our team. Um, our group of scouts, uh, they've been unbelievable in this process. You know, not one of them have flinched once. They've not blinked. Any change, anything that's happened, 
um, they found answers to. And I'm fortunate. I am, I am fortunate to have the group that I have with me and around me that, you know, that supports. I mean, it's never, I always say it's never about one person. You're only as strong as the people that you have around you. And, you know, our group is ex exceptionally strong and I'm very fortunate to have them. Uh, they've solved problems along the way and found ways for us to be able to communicate, keep our process the same way. We've actually grown. There's a lot of things that I think we've figured out here over the last three weeks that we like and that we're going to continue to do going forward. Um, we've still had some very healthy uh, discussions. I kept waiting for somebody to break in um, and record it. Um, but, you know, it's been fun. We've had the same debate. We've got the same work done. Uh, we'll continue to go through this draft and operate as business as usual. Um, all right. Questions. All right. Mike Chappell, you're up first. Chris, how are you doing? Uh, curious with when you bring in Philip Rivers and your investment in him, how does that or does that change your approach in the draft? Are you, are you still looking for your quarterback of the future or are they not related? No, that's a good, that's a really good question. I mean, all right. So a couple things here. Um, I think one of the things I think I've talked about this numerous times about you can't force that you can't force the quarterback position in terms, especially in the draft. I think history's shown that it's got to be the right guy, the right fit, um, you know, for us and for our staff um, and for our organization. Um, so I don't know when that's going to happen. I, maybe this year, maybe next year, maybe two years from now. I don't know. I can't, and, and I'm not going to force it. Uh, much to everybody's dismay, and it might drive everybody nuts, but I'm not going to force that issue. When we decide to take one up that we think is going to be the future guy of this franchise, we got to be. You got to be right. Um, and look, I don't want to discount, you know, Jacoby Brissett. I mean, I, I, you know, Jacoby Brissett's still a good. This was a unique opportunity with Phillip. Um, you have a you have a potential Hall of Fame quarterback hit the market that has history with our both our head coach and our offensive coordinator. Um, so we're fortunate to have both these guys on the roster at the same time. And as we go forward, we'll figure out um, you know what what we need to do at the position. But for now we feel pretty good, you know, about the position. All right, let's go Zach Kiefer. Hey Chris. Hi Zach. So the experts think this is probably as deep as it's been in a long time at the wide receiver spot. You guys haven't added anybody in free agency. Does that allow you to be more flexible considering where you're at in the draft, uh, not with the first round pick right now, or does that mean, you know, it could be a time to get up and, and get someone if you feel really aggressive? Um, well, look, there is a lot of depth um, at wide out in the draft. We, we feel very good about that. Um, at every level, um, you know, from guys we think can start um, to guys that we think can play significant roles. I think you always got to let the draft play out. Uh, you know, it's hard to predict it before. It's even hard to predict it when you're on, when you're going through it. Um, you just got to be patient and let it play out. And the one thing I think, I mean, y'all been around me long enough. I mean, we're not going to force a pick. I think you I think you you make your biggest mistakes when you force things, Zach. When you, you're, okay, we have to have this, so let's just take – we're always going to take the best player. If we have a guy ranked above him, we spend all this time – we spend all this time getting this board right and set. 
And once it's set on, you know, by next Thursday, we're, we're not changing. We're not moving it. So whether it's wide out, whether it's, you know, defensive line, whether it's O-line, right? I mean, you don't know. Um, you got to let it play out. We're always going to take the higher talent. Now, if it's even, if it's even and it's a position of need, then, yeah, we'll take the guy that's uh, the position of need over the even. Um, but we do like saying that. We do like the depth at wide out in the draft. Um, getting T.Y. Hilton back healthy again. Um, getting Parrish Hilton, uh, Parrish uh, Campbell healthy again. Um, you know, having Zach Pascal. You know, it's not like where it's a complete void at the position. Uh, we do think we have some talented guys there. All right, let's go Mike Wells. Hey, Chris. Hello, how, Wells. You how you doing? I'm good, brother. Um, Amiga, go, go, go back to uh, Rivers. I know you talked about it being a unique situation and everything, but when you think about how you have approached free agency since you got hired, one thing you've always talked about is younger players still who haven't reached captain to the potential. Um, can you just kind of go a little more further detailed on what made you go kind of against the grain on what you've been talking about since you got hired? I think the quarterback position is a little bit different than the rest of them. Um, and I think this situation was a little bit unique. Um, and it's not like it financially hurts us going long term. Um, it didn't put us in a position, even with both of them under contract. It doesn't, you know, Mike Bloom, our cap guy, has done such a tremendous job with the cap and with our cash that we're in a, we're in a unique spot here that we were able to do this. Um, if, if from a standpoint, you wouldn't be able to make these moves, but he's done such a tremendous job. And because it is the quarterback position and because of his stature, it just made it a unique opportunity. Every other guy that we've acquired um, has been really fit into our mold. Maybe Xavier, cause he's 29 years old um, is a little bit, you know, different, but for the most part, we've stayed pretty disciplined, you know, with what we want to do. Okay. George Bremer. Hey, George. How you doing? Good. Uh, with the uncertainty around this off season and, and how long it's going to be and, and all those sorts of things, does it change the way you stack the draft board at all? Are you looking for fast learners? Are you looking for more polished prospects? Any of those factors? No, we'll continue to draft, you know, how we do. I mean, um, I, I, th I don't think you can I don't think you can enter into a draft thinking, well, just about one season. You know, you need to be thinking long term at all points. I mean, I don't ever draft a guy thinking, well, he's just going to help us this year. Um, and matter of fact, I've probably made some mistakes where I didn't take a guy or two that I wish I'd have had more of a long term outlook on the player. Um, but now, look, our character characteristics that we're looking for, those are two things that um, you know, and, you know, football intelligence and, you know, being able to pick it up quickly, you know, those are all things we look for anyways. Um, but our, but our approach won't change. Okay. Charlie Clifford. Hey, Chris, thanks for the time. Hey, Charlie. Quick question, just on the logistics. Once the draft kicks off, how does it look on your end behind the scenes? Is there a way you can mimic and be best prepared for this virtual deal? Yeah. I mean, the, all right, so here's the good news. All 32 teams are under the same conditions. Um, nobody's got an advantage over anybody. Um, and, you know, the more, the more that we've been through these type of meetings, um, and we've used a, a couple different platforms, one, to keep people a little off balance of knowing what we're using, um, 
we've gotten more comfortable with it. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, what's the difference between us being here right now and then us being in the, the media room at the complex? There's no difference. I mean, other than y'all get to sit and, and shoot the bull for a little bit before. I mean, it, we're still getting the same work done and, and being just as productive. Okay, Kevin Bowen. Hey, Kev. Hey, Chris. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned Xavier earlier. Can you kind of go into detail on going from Pierre to Xavier? Yeah, well, Pierre was tough because he's such a great kid and great human being. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, we made a decision that we thought was the best thing, you know, for the team here, you know, this year and going forward. Um, and then getting into Xavier – I mean, look, we have, we have a coach that has history with him, Jonathan Gannon, and also Allen. Um, but saying that, you know, here, here's a – I mean, this guy's been a Pro Bowl corner in the league. He's only 29 years old. He's got, he's got some unique traits. Um, and, you know, we think we can get him back to playing um, at that level. Um, I think he's pretty hungry. I think, you know, being released by the – you know, by Minnesota um, sparked a fire in him. Um, and so it'd be, it's fun, you know, it's gonna be fun to watch him, um, play with a chip on his shoulder. Cause I, I think he can, you know, I think he can still be a high performer for us. Joel Erickson. Hey, Joel. Hey, Chris. Uh, you guys didn't, you guys haven't signed anybody at wide receiver and free agency. Was it just didn't have a fit with the class? Didn't like the class, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, nah, there was a couple guys that we kind of dabbled with. Um, but just didn't, at the end of the day, just didn't work out. Um, it just, that sometimes it happens that way. Okay. Let's go. Uh, Jim Ayala. Hey, Jim. Hey, Chris. Thanks for doing this. I just, yeah. I, um, when I asked about DeForest and, and trading the 13th pick, I probably couldn't have been easy for you. I'm thinking, but I think obviously it reflects on how you guys feel about DeForest, but I was wondering if you could talk about that one, but the other part, how does it reflect on what you see kind of at that part of the draft? I think you're, First, number one, it was easy. Um, I thought it was very easy. Um, you know, here's a 26-year-old. He's got everything we stand for, high character. Um, he's a producer. He was one of the best. I mean, all you got to do is put on the Super Bowl game. I mean, I, you, if you want to watch guys, the great players produce in the big games. Just watch the Super Bowl game. I mean, that guy played his ass off. And he was disruptive the entire game. Um, you know, he's durable. He's got the character. He plays a premium position in this defense. It was an easy decision. Easy decision. Um, I know the 13th pick is a high price. Um, but we haven't made a lot of big moves, you know, like this. And, and a chance to acquire um, a player of this caliber um, with his character I thought was – I thought it was a no-brainer. As a matter of fact, I held my freaking breath um, to make sure, praying that it was going to get done. Uh, we, I couldn't be more pleased about getting this young man uh, into this organization. And I think you'll see the same things I see here uh, going forward. I mean, you, you know, he's a young guy. Um, and look, premium players cost a premium price. I mean, that's, that's – that's the cost of doing. That's the cost of having a great player, and we're going to have some more coming up here in the next couple of years on our own team. Uh, they're going to cost a lot of money, um, but that's the price to having good players. You want to have good players, going to cost you. They're going to cost you a lot of money. And I thought at the end of the day, the thirteenth pick versus DeForest was a no-brainer.
Okay, Stephen Holder. Hi, Steve. Hey, how we doing? Good. Hey, uh, I think if you look around the league, it, it feels like most of the the high end quarterback starters um, they were they were first round picks for the most part. Uh, and that, this is not a question about the Colts. This is a general question. Um, yeah. When you look beyond that, and you know, until later rounds, we talk about developmental quarterbacks all the time. What what constitutes that for you? And how does a guy go from developmental to maybe more than that, you know, like how hard is it, I guess, to, to decide who can be a guy who can't? Uh, it's tough. And I mean, I think opportunity a lot of time, Stephen, I think just getting the opportunity to play and, and prove it. Um, you know, you'll, I'll never forget we took, so we took Rex Grossman. I don't know when it was, was 2003. And then the next year we took Kyle Orton 2004 or five. Um, and then next thing you know, Kyle Orton, it was 2005 as a rookie, Grossman gets hurt, Kyle Orton being the starter and we end up winning the division. I think a lot of times it's just opportunity, um, you know, getting the reps in live games. Um, I think that you look at the traits that you want in your quarterbacks, things that you're looking for. Um, and then, you know, you hope you've got them ready enough to when they get the opportunity, they're going to perform. All right. Uh, Dave first. Hey, Dave. Hey, Chris. Thanks for doing this again. Um, yes, sir. Not necessarily a deep question, but just kind of a philosophical one. Obviously, the, the process has changed a bit in the last three and a half weeks. You're doing stuff you probably never thought you'd dream of ever doing, getting ready for a draft. Do you think that has affected the result come next week? I guess over time we'll prove that right or wrong. Um, <laughs> I, uh, but I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, our process really hasn't changed much. Look, we've never been a – our coaches didn't go on the road a lot anyways. Um, you know, we'd send a few coaches out, but it was never a, it was never a big um, emphasis for us where we're putting the coaches on the road a lot of it, um, you know, a lot. Um, now, you know, our contact points with scouts and players, um, yes. Um, but, you know, we, there's, you know, you find new ways to do that. And it's through avenues like this. So, you know, essentially, have there been some tweaks to the process? Yes, but not a ma major overhaul to the process. Um, and, and look, I mean, I think we know what's at stake during this draft. This one's going to be, this one's going to be heightened, and they're already scrutinized at the hundredth degree, anyways. This one's going to get scrutinized at the thousandth degree um, on who took who, and you know what was the success down the line. Um, and like I told our guys, so look, we're not going to change the way we do business. We're not going to change our process and how we scout and how we make decisions. Um, we're going to draft and we're going to, we're, we're going to let it rip. To be honest with you, I'd like more picks. I feel very confident. Um, I'd like more picks. Um, we'll see if that happens or not. But, you know, I feel confident in our group. I feel confident in our work and what we've done. Um, and we think we're going to acquire players. All right. Uh, Philip B. Wilson. Thanks for your time, Chris. Appreciate yes, sir. It. Um, first off, uh, is this the adjusted draft central behind you here where you're at? I mean, is this where I it's going to happen? Turned, I actually turned around because um, I didn't want you to see the rest of the uh, basement that I'm working out of. <laughs> I just I wondered how unusual that's going to be for you to draft. For, is that your basement? or? Is yes, sir. Yeah, it's will my basement. Will you have your staff with you, or are you guys going to be no. remote? No, everything's remote. I'll be alone here at home. Um, 
if you look, I'm sure they'll show flashes and you'll see kids running around during it. I mean, it, it just, it is what it is. I got five kids and I got three dogs and eventually they're going to flash in front of the screen. I mean, okay. I'm waiting for my dogs to pop up here and they haven't popped down here in this basement. All right. Uh, the, what I wanted to ask you, is there a moment in your career that will stick with you forever that you learned the lesson of not reaching in the draft? Um, that's a good question. You sound like you sound like you learned the hard way by, by how you've yep. been insistent on you can't reach on a pick. Yep. Um, I'll tell you one, and everybody won't say it now, but taking Quentin Nelson. I mean, when everybody – Everybody said you can't take a guard. You can't take a guard at six. I mean, I even heard it. Uh, I mean, I heard it in a lot of different spots. But, you know, you can't take a – you take the best player, man. You take the best player. Quentin Nelson was the best freaking player at that point in the draft. I'm not sure if he wasn't the best player in the entire draft. Um, that, that, to me, solidified it and said, you know what, just take the – I don't care what position he's at. Take the right – take the best player. Thank you. I think, yeah, and I think we know the impact that kid's had. Yeah. Uh, Stacy Dales. Hey, Stacy. Thank yep. you so much for your time, and I'm glad everybody here is – hopefully everybody's safe and healthy. Um, just on a call with the Lions, talking about logistics and what they're doing, as far as backup plans, um, redundancy plans, what, as a, as a staff, are you doing logistically right now heading into next week in terms of the logistics? Well, we'll have a, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I'll, I'll what surrounds you. Yeah. At, at look at the end of the day, I'll pick up my phone. I'll call in the pick. Um, <laughs> but saying that, I mean, look, I've had to, I've got a generator now put in my house um, to make sure we have backup electricity. I make sure we have a backup internet, you know, all those things. We, we will have a run through um, internally uh, one day in the next few days. And also with the league, we'll go through every scenario. Okay. Let's say I get dropped off, my internet, my electricity goes down, and we're on the clock. What do we do? I mean, we'll walk through every scenario to make sure we're prepared for it. Look, I don't know. I got a couple guys that are as anal retentive. Ed Dodds, Ed does not leave a freaking detail. Um, there's nothing that doesn't go checked um, here between him and Mike Bloom. Um, and all our scouts, they make sure um, that we're going to be covered on that end. And they, and they know how I am because I'll just kind of flip it. Like, well, I'll just pick up the phone and make the call. What do you mean? I mean, but they, they, uh, they're pretty detail-oriented, and they make sure we have everything mapped out. Okay, we got time for a few more here. Uh, uh, Zach Kiefer, you want to you ask? There you go. Chris, you talked – a lot about not forcing the quarterback spot. I get that. Not forcing it. You can't reach. Um, at this moment, you have nobody at that position on under contract for 21. Um, you plan for the – you hope for the best at that spot. Maybe Rivers comes back for another year. Maybe he doesn't. If everything goes wrong, what's your level of concern long-term without anybody in place for that position moving forward? Well, I can already see the story for this year. Um, Saying that, look, we'll make decisions when they need, you know, when they need to be made. Um, and we'll always have our eye on that position. It's just, it, we're always going to have our eye on that position. I wish I had a crystal ball in front of me to be able to rub it and tell you what we're going to look like a year from now. I'm just trying to get through, you know, the next week here um, to get through the draft. 
but it's one that we'll always keep our eye on, Zach. All right, Mike Wells. Chris, you've always talked about controlling the line of scrimmage, offense, defense. We see what you have in the offensive line. Defensive line has been a focus this offseason. When you look at this roster, I know we still have next week. Do you believe with the addition of Rivers that you guys are ready to take another step forward? I mean, based, based off what you've done so far and then what you hope to do next week? Um, I mean, look, I mean, signing, it's like anything else. I mean, you got, at the end of the day, you can, we can, all the, you know, all the accolades, everybody's saying, well, you did good getting this guy. And it didn't matter. I mean, you got to go work. You got to come together as a team and you got to prepare and you got to play and then you got to win. Um, I mean, I know as, as bad as everybody thought it was last year, it, I mean, look, we finished seven and nine. It wasn't like, it's, there's some games in there we could have easily not screwed it up and you, we could have been looking, you know, nine and seven, ten and six in the face. We, it wasn't like we were that far off. Um, so I, I, I don't look at any year, and I'd probably answer that question no differently any year, Mike, because um, every year's different. Every, every team's different. There's change. And, you know, you got to work. You got to earn it. You got to come together. Um, during these circumstances that we're under right now, be interesting to see, you know, how, you know, how things get done and how teams come together here over the next, you know, three or four months. I mean, that's always one of the things that, you know, the camaraderie, the, you know, guys getting to know each other, um, being able to do it virtually now. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how all this uh, plays out over the next few months. Okay, we're going to do two more. Chap, you're up next. Hey, Chap. Chris, quick question, non-draft related. You, you guys have made it very clear you, you keep planning for so, sort of normalcy, the, the plan, the schedule. Can you imagine September football with fans, football without fans? What in your What do you think? I don't know, Mike. I, I really don't. I wish I could. That's just being honest. Um, I don't know. Um, We'll follow what the league, you know, has us do. They'll have a plan. Owners and, you know, the league will get together and have a plan. I know this. They'll do what's best for the safety of all, for safety of our fans, for the safety of our players, safety of our staff. Um, there's such a, it's such a time of uncertainty. Um, we just don't know. You know, I'm always going to prepare, prepare and plan for the best. I'm going to prepare, and we will prepare as though we're starting up and ready to go to work when training camp, you know, when training camp starts, if that's when it is. All right, Kevin. Hopefully Bowen. sooner. Hopefully sooner. I mean, you never know. I don't know. All right, Kevin Bowen, last question. Hey, Kevin. Um, Chris, I, I know you got a little bit of time on this, but do you plan on picking up Malik's fifth-year option? Yeah, we got a little time. When I get, when I get through the draft, um, we'll sit down and, and we'll talk about, you know, the direction we're going to go there. It's a sweet beard. You've been working on that one. Have you had that one going the whole time? Whole time. I'm going to look like Big Ben when it's all said and done here. That a boy. Okay. Chris, thanks for doing this for us. I appreciate you're, it. You're welcome. First off, what's, what's been the biggest challenge in this crazy uncertainty, uh, getting ready for this draft, unlike any other draft? And is there something that you've missed that you'd like to be able to put in before, before we get to draft day? Well, I mean, look, we're having the same discussions, you know, virtually that we would have internally, but there's nothing like uh, being together with your guys, being together with your coaches. Um, th that's what I miss. I miss the daily banter that goes on, 
all day, not just for three or four hours on a Zoom call. The daily from eight o'clock when you walk in the building till seven or eight, nine, whenever you leave, you know, just the daily interaction that you have with everybody around the building. I mean, I miss our guy. I miss our guys. I miss our building. Um, that's what you miss. Now you signed Philip Rivers, a suck quarterback. Now, how will this affect the way you approach this draft, if at all? Um, we'll approach it the same way. Um, we're not going to force the quarterback issue. Um, we're going to, you know, we're going to wait until we think it's the right time. Um, and saying that, look, I mean, Jacoby, Jacoby's only like 27 years old. I mean, and even though his contract's up, it's not to say that Jacoby won't be here long term. I mean, we still like Jacoby Brissett. Um, so I think we just got to let it play out. I mean, um, but it's one position that we won't just take a guy to take a guy. This draft is deepest at what position? You, you, you said it's, it's deep just across the board. Is there one or two positions that you're like, wow, this, we can really do well here? Well, I think it's – look, I think, I think across the board, you look, you're going to find pockets where it's really good. I mean, it's, I think there's some really good D linemen in the draft. Um, it's, it's a deep wide out draft. There's a lot of running backs, you know, in this draft, pretty good corner draft. Um, so, you know, some pocket, there's some more depth at certain positions, um, than others, but it's overall, it's a good, it's good depth throughout. Did you expect to make as big a splash as you did in free agency? I know, uh, the, the cap was bigger. You had more money to work with, but, but in the past you haven't gone so deep in free agency you you brought in some big names and some big players well I mean I don't I mean like DeForest I don't I mean we traded 13th pick you know so I don't to me that's our 13th pick of the draft DeForest Buckner and and to me that's different we made a trade um, and then really the biggest acquisition you know was Phillip and look it's it's a quarterback and you know the price for a quarterback is expensive it just it is what it is that's the price of doing business when you're in that market um being able to get Xavier and Rosie Nix and Kerry um you know I mean those are good additions but I know at the end of the day they're all looking at the you know the quarterback and the amount but that's that's the price of it's the price of doing business with that market I know in the past you've had uh, a lot more picks than you have this year. You've got, what, seven this year. You've always told us that you love them picks. Could yeah. this possibly change? And does it, does it change your focus or the way you approach things because you've got seven right now? No, we'll be all right. Um, we'll try to get some more. We'll try to acquire some more um, through the draft. I mean, you never know how it's going to play out on draft day, but we think we're in a pretty good spot um, at 34 that – you know, we'll have a chance to, you know, either move up or move up into the first round or move down if we want. And also with 44, um, it's just a matter of who's on the board and do you have a trade partner? Lastly, a quick personal question. What's it been like working at home with the, with the kids and the dogs and, and trying to get everything done? It's, it has to be interesting for you. No, it's great. And we honestly, it's great. They look, they get what I do. Um, they, and they're, they're great kids. And my wife does a tremendous job, uh, with them, but, but, you know, they'll come hang out some, and it's been nice to eat dinner with them every night and nice to go up there and, you know, take a break and watch them outside and play. I mean, there's always light in the darkness, man. And I'm telling you, sometimes, sometimes you got to get hit in the head to say, maybe, maybe we need it all a little more family time. You know, that's, what's important. So, um, we've made the, we've made absolute the best of it. And I think a positives came out of it. 
Fantastic. Chris, thank you for the time. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. So that is Colts general manager Chris Ballard offering us a little bit of insight into his mindset as the NFL draft is scheduled to begin this Thursday night. And uh, Chris, one thing that at least stuck out to me was about Ballard saying the team will begin thinking about Malik Hooker's fifth-year option coming up after this draft. So uh, that's something that's still uh, in the future. We saw it last year with Ryan Kelly's option. Um, It wasn't exactly picked up right away from what I remember, but it was something that Chris Ballard said that they intended at least to pick up um, his option before they actually did. So there was maybe a little bit more concrete definition in that scenario. But here's hearing that, um, that Chris Ballard says they'll begin thinking about Hooker's fifth-year option after the draft. What uh, what did what came to your mind after you hear that? Well, and also then the last couple of days it came out that was it Mike Lombardi put out players who might be available via trade, and he put Malik Hooker's name in there. And a couple of guys locally mentioned that this is more teams reaching out to the Colts. What would it take? I, I guess I'm one that I don't know why you would create a glaring need when you don't need to uh, bring if you exercise the, the uh, fifth year on hooker it's going to be what seven or eight million dollars which is which is really not much relatively speaking we've seen flashes from hooker and he's got seven interceptions he's had injuries no question he's had injuries and this might not be the best defense for him to where they like to play the two safeties deep as opposed to letting him play center but i just He's only 24. People forget he's only 24, and he's a great talent, great ball skills. I, and what, what will you, Joe, Joe, you might have a better idea. What will you get for Malik Cooker if you trade him? A four? A, a five? I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I was thinking more second round, maybe, first round. Uh, I mean, he's still a pretty young player, and you still have him under contract for another year or two, and NFL trades are all over the place. I mean, Falcons gave up a second rounder for Hayden Hurst. DeAndre Hopkins goes for a second rounder. So it really comes down to how badly the other team wants Malik Hooker. Um, But unless the Colts are blown away, I kind of doubt they would do this. Like you said, why create another hole when Hooker's been at very least an above average player for them when healthy? This to me, let, let, let me throw something in there. This to me sounds like somebody has heard that other teams are inquiring about Malik Hooker, or at least one other team has inquired about Malik Hooker. And um, our, our good friend Stephen Holder at The Athletic is reporting that teams have called the Colts, not the other way around. It's not like the Colts are going around shopping Malik Hooker to see what they can get right now. It's that other teams are at least doing their due diligence and asking, hey, right. what about this Malik Hooker guy? I noticed you haven't picked up his fifth-year option yet. Any team can see that and uh, look at uh, the player that they think Malik Hooker is or can be and just reach out and get maybe a little bit more insight to what the Colts really really think about Malik Hooker if there was if there was more of an openness to trade him. So this is a report that other teams are asking. And and to me, that, that's fine to report, but it's not significant at all because teams can ask about anybody in this exact same scenario, a player who was drafted in that draft and hasn't had his fifth-year option picked up yet. And I think that there's a bunch of players in that first round specifically that haven't had their fifth-year option picked up yet. Malik is far from the only one. And he's a guy who's talented, clearly, because we've seen it. We've seen his flashes. We saw his one-handed interception of Phillip Rivers last year, week one. I've told you guys many times how much I enjoy watching safety play, and I think Malik Hooker is, is a tremendous talent. 
and he is young and he's still growing and he's still maturing and he's still learning. So I, I, I just find it hard to believe that the Colts would willingly give up Malik Hooker for anything short of a, uh, a franchise changing player uh, right now where they stand, Mike. Maybe, maybe if you get a second, which I guess I would be surprised you would get that for him. I, maybe you're right, Joe, that maybe that's top end, but let's say you get, let's say you get, you trade him for a, a round pick. I still think it may be a third. Then, then, then your safeties on your roster right now are Harry Willis and Joe Odom and a couple guys whose name escaped me. So all of a sudden you've really, while you've tried to really upgrade your defense with Buckner and Day and Rhodes and Carey, you've damaged the back end unless you target then all of a sudden that one of those early picks for a safety. And again, I, I go back to the idea don't create problems when you don't have to. And unless you just, unless you start on the guy and you get a top end draft pick in return, I just don't see why you would do it. Yeah. And because, you know, I say second round because it does sound like teams are reaching out to the Colts as opposed to the Colts shopping, trying to get rid of the player that always drives up the price when the team is the one who wants the player not the other way around where the Colts are trying to get rid of somebody. So, uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you guys. Unless maybe something crazy happens and a team wants to offer a high second end of first round pick and the Colts can all of a sudden package something together to go up and get whoever they have their eye on. Um, it, it seems unlikely to happen this weekend. And perhaps if uh, someone is inquiring about uh, Malik Hooker, it's entirely possible that the Colts could respond with, hey, what do you think about Quincy Wilson? Because <laughs> MMQB's Albert Breer is reporting that the Colts are shopping Wilson, a 2017 second-round pick. He started only 10 games in three years, started a grand total of zero last year, was a uh, – was a what's what's the word non a, yeah a healthy scratch is the word i was looking for thank you mike i was thinking non injury something i was like that's not right but it was a non yeah uh, a healthy scratch in multiple games and even in games where we thought the colts could use some help in the secondary last year when guys started dropping like flies late in the year still would not see quincy wilson out there on the field he's in the final year of his rookie deal but it brings up the question once again mike what could the colts even get for quincy wilson at this stage well, we, we were talking before we went on the air about they traded uh, Nate Harrison to the Jets last year. Late conditional round pick, whether it was a six or seven, I don't remember. Uh, but then as it turns out, that the conditions weren't met, whether it was playtime, starts, games, or whatever. So you got nothing for that. But I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that if you can get anything for Quincy Wilson, I would take it. It's clear that he's been, he's been given chances to, to, to play. He can't, you know, if this ends sometime soon, he can't say, boy, I never got the chance there. He did. And it hasn't worked out. If he goes somewhere else and, he's, and he steps in and plays, fine, but here it hasn't worked. Whatever you get for Quincy Wilson would be a plus. Yeah, right now, Quincy Wilson is probably one of um, the biggest pockmarks on Chris Bauer's draft record because he, he is a second round pick. We look back, right. Joe, and remember in 2017 that, like, we thought of this guy as a, as a he, I mean, he was really young when he was drafted. Uh, out of the University of Florida, but just just has not panned out. One of the one of the high picks from Chris Bauer that hasn't. Yeah, that was that was uh, that last year that they were still with Pagano, and you kind of look through that draft, and th there's several misses. I mean, third round Terrell Basham, fourth round Bannon didn't even you know was cut before training camp. The offensive lineman 
Um, so, so, you know, looking through, Ballard has definitely gotten better as the years have gone on as far as Colts draft classes have gone. Some more trade speculation for this weekend. Chris Ballard's mention of possibly moving back into the first round, saying that it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility, but also indicated that, quote, I like them picks, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised if he trades back either. Uh, Mike, if you thought one was more likely than the other, trading back into the first round or trading back from that first pick they have at 34th overall, I, I'd have to imagine that trading back would be the more likely scenario. Well, I'll go with door number three. I'll say trading back at 44. I would mm-hmm. like to stay at 34 just because you're going you're gonna to get a better player. This is common sense. You're going to get a better player at 34 than 44. Although, again, as deep as the uh, receiver draft is, maybe you think you can get a similar talent at 44 as you can at 34. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, I, he, he's, I think he's traded back in every, in every draft, hasn't he? Uh, and he wants more picks. He's only got seven after having 29 in the last three drafts, which some mentioned it's, it's like tied for the fourth most in the league over that stretch. And 24 of those 29 picks are still with the team. But I went back and looked and like, 12 or 13 are projected as possible starters this year. So they really do uh, like to build through the draft. And this year they went a lot more. They, they were more investing in veterans with the trade and, and with, with uh, Philip Rivers. So uh, I, I think that there's more, there's a good chance of trading back, trading up. I mean, you're going to, if you want to trade up to the bottom of the first round, you're going to go up a, what a third, a second next year. So I, I just don't know that that's what he wants to do. Yeah, it, it would have to be a big swing to to move from 34 into the first round, for sure. It would have to be for a player that you have targeted that has fallen, probably. Uh, because, once again, you remember that, hey, if the Colts really like someone near the top of the draft or the top middle of the draft, they would have stayed there at 13. Um, but they didn't. They traded out. Heck, they got a got a heck of a player, as Chris Ballard said. He was holding his breath to make sure that trade for Buckner went through. But nevertheless, if there's a guy that that you really desperately wanted at the first round, well, you had a first round pick, and now it's gone. So so now you're you're there at the top of the second round. So like I, I just find it hard to believe that they trade back into the first round right now. I would put the probability of that as like two percent. I, I think it's really really low. <laughs> Unless, like you mentioned, that somebody that, for whatever reason, just falls. I keep coming back to quarterbacks, and if if if, if Jordan Love is there and, and they like the guy and you had no idea he'd be there at 20, 29, or 30, then, then you'd do it. But I don't see them moving up to, like, 20. I, I, that's, just too, that's just too far to go in the first round. And, again, you were there at 13. And if, if you really liked the guy, let, let's take away a quarterback. If you really liked – a defensive lineman or whatever, an offensive tackle, you really liked the guy, you could have got him at 13, but they valued DeForest Buckner, which I've always said, said too, all things being equal, I'd much rather have a proven, a young proven player. They sort of rolled the dice with a guy at 13 or 15 or 19 because you just don't know what you're getting. As much work as you do, you just don't know what you're getting with a draft pick. And we could still see some trades outside of the realm of uh, draft picks as well if uh, the Colts are looking outside of the organization for help to bring him someone in at a position that we have said is a little bit of need after uh, Eric Ebron is not coming back to the Colts this year, as we have known for some time. But uh, Tampa Bay right now seems to have a plethora of tight ends at their disposal. 
after the uh, acquisition of one Rob Gronkowski this week from the New England Patriots. Gronk coming out of retirement, uh, still under contract with the Patriots. He was last year, even though he was uh, on the air working for uh, Fox Sports from time to time. So uh, traded his rights over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because Gronk told him that I want to come back to the NFL. I want to play for Tom Brady in Tampa. Make it happen. So right now, the Bucks have Gronk. They have O.J. Howard, a former first-round pick in 2017. And they have Cameron Brait, who's been a productive receiving tight end over his career. Joe, you put these together. Uh, what, what was intriguing about uh, this, uh, this situation to you? I just saw, you know, Tampa Bay, there was rumors about O.J. Howard being traded even before Rob Gronkowski. Um, came to town and now it just seems like there's too many cooks in the kitchen there in their tight end room um, OJ Howard's certainly a very talented player and I think he'd be I mean I, personally I would love to see him in Frank Wright's offense him Doyle T.Y. on the outside and then Paris Campbell plus whoever else they draft at wide receiver um, so I just thought it'd be fun to knock this around in here and say maybe they go after Howard maybe, maybe they go after Cameron Bright because this we all talked about how tight end is one of the top five um, positions of need. And this is a very weak tight end class. So if the Colts want to get better at tight end, maybe trading is the best way to go. I went back and looked. It was, it, this is one of my five positions of need that I posted today. And I, I argued, and I still would, that if they had a game on Sunday, no position on this team is, is, is in worse shape than tight end. You've got... I bet you couldn't name their top five or six tight ends. Jack Doyle, Mawali Cox, who have played okay, and then who? Uh, is Ross Travis still there? No, sir. Ah. Oh, Joe, you lose. Matt Lingle, Matt Lingle, Xavier Grimble, Billy Brown. How did I forget Grimble? Ian <laughs> Bunning. And uh, so, so, again, uh, Xavier Grimble has 23 catches in his career. Lingo has five, but no one else has a catch. So Xavier Grimble sounds like a Harry Potter character. <laughs> no, no offense to Xavier. I, I say that out of love, out of a tremendous series that has shaped the lives of many young people in the generation after me. But There you go. That's yeah. great, but the, I, I don't want them playing tight end for me, at least frontline tight end. So it's obvious that the, a frontline tight end is not here yet. Whether that's in draft, and again, this everyone says this is not a great, not even a good tight end uh, uh, group. Uh, so you've got you've got to find a guy somehow, some way, who can step and play, not to the level of Eric Ebron, but you need that pass catcher. That I love Jack Doyle. I think everything that Jack Doyle does is essential for this team. Is he's the chain mover. He's a he's a more he's a willing and able blocker. But he's never going to stretch the field. He's 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 seven point nine, which is is not a bad thing as long as you've got a guy who can stretch the field and tight end. So somehow they've got to find that other starting tight end. Now I'll add this about O.J. Howard. He he's he's kind of similar to Eric Ebron in the fact that he's a he's a big tight end. He's a uh, physical tight end. He's a, a um, what's the word? Uh, he, he, he's an, he's an athletic freak of a tight end like Ebron was, uh, they just couldn't put things together in Detroit with Ebron. He came here to Indy obviously, and did very, very well, uh, for one year and, uh, maybe Howard's in, in the similar situation. But again, like in, in Tampa last year, even 
with uh, with Bruce Arians, they're throwing the ball like crazy with Jameis Winston, with with no regard for human life, as uh, as Marv Alberts might say, or no regard for interceptions at all. So it's, it's it was a surprise that that nothing O.J. Howard really could do last year was was able to to create quite a dent. So it, it it makes sense why they would be looking elsewhere if in that situation Howard was unable to really do too much. Yeah, well, let me ask you guys. And, Joe, yeah. and you can you can talk about Joe. Maybe you look at Chase Claypool as not a receiver, but as that move tied in with 6'4", 238, ran a, was it a 4'4", at the, at the combine? Maybe, I, I don't, you wouldn't take him, maybe you take it, you wouldn't take him 34, but maybe maybe you look at him as that move tied in instead of the wide receiver. I don't know if that's something a team would look at or not. Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of been putting him in that move tight end hole ever since he showed up at 238 at the combine. I mean, you look at his height, weight, speed numbers, they're very similar to an Evan Ingram of the Giants who went in the first round a few years ago. I think maybe the Colts uh, could go Claypool at 44. I kind of doubt he'd be there when they pick again at 75 in the third right. round. Um so that might even be an opportunity. You know, 44 might be rich. 75, he's probably gone. Maybe they move back a little bit and then take Claypool, um, move back from 44 overall. So that's definitely an interesting option. I, I wanted to ask you guys, would you trade pick 75 in the third round right now for O.J. Howard? Go ahead, Dave. I got <sighs> the, uh, the third round for O.J. Howard. Um I would, I would hesitate to do the third round pick. Maybe I think I would be much, much more willing to do this for a fourth round pick, and for a fifth round, I'd pull the trigger right away. But oh, yeah. um, for for a for a team that, like, really, they they probably want to dump a tight end right now. It's not like you're trying to pry OJ Howard loose. Um, of course, it depends on what other teams are interested, how many other teams are interested, and who can sweeten the pot for the Buccaneers. But if, if there's not much other interest, I, I would I would hesitate giving much more than a fourth round pick, Mike. Yeah, again, it, I think they really, really, you know, we we know they value draft picks. I think they really, really value a round draft pick. For I, I always think once you get into the fourth and fifth round, you know, obviously the, the odds of of getting a player who's going to be sustainable go go way down so I, I wouldn't hesitate with the fourth round pick third round pick i might hesitate because again they're getting rid of him for a reason people players are always available for a reason cooker is different in my mind but we were talking quincy wilson he's available for a reason because he hasn't worked here so uh I'd, I'd do a fourth round pick third round pick i would have to think long and hard about yeah the and Buccaneers did give up a fourth rounder for Gronkowski, so maybe they just feel like if they could get that fourth rounder back, that'd be a win for them. Um, that'd be a very interesting. Another thing to keep in mind, you know, from the Colts' perspective, is Howard. He's three years in, first round pick, so he'd be another player they'd have to think about fifth year options and paying soon. And there are a lot of Colts in line to get paydays soon, so that's another thing when weighing player versus draft pick. So right. I just thought it was an interesting conversation. Right. And and paydays are a reason that a uh, DeForest Buckner was available from from San Francisco, of course. If we bring it uh, full circle to uh, Mike's point that all players are available for a reason, well, San Francisco is in that point. They had to decide which players to make available to free up cap space to make sure that they can uh, keep as many players 
uh, in their uh, Super Bowl runner-up roster going forward. So now it's time for each of us to make one bold Colts draft prediction. As the draft is set to kick off on Thursday evening of this week, we are just about one day away from that. Uh, Mike, will start with you. Uh, Joe, you will go second. I will take us to the finish line with third. We'll save the best for last, of course. But, Mike, why don't you go ahead? Joe will give you a name. I'll give you a position at 34 or 44. I'm, I'm thinking 44 with an offensive tackle. Uh, I, I go back to when we talked to Chris Ballard about at the combine about, hey, you've got Costanzo back. It's a two-year deal. How soon do you start planning ahead? And he said a year or two out, you have to start looking at that guy. So I'm not going to be the least bit surprised if I still I'm, – I'm going to beat the drum for because they need it so badly. But I'm not going to be surprised at all if they opt for a uh, offensive lineman or offensive tackle at for to be planning for the, the future without Anthony Costanza, which is going to be coming sooner rather than later. Yeah, I like that one. Um, I'll give you like one and a half. My bold prediction is that the Colts acquire draft capital for the 2021 draft. Um, they've, they've picked up draft picks for the following year and back-to-back drafts now. That's why they're sitting with two second-round picks now. Um, Ballard talks about how he loves those picks. He's always trying to get more. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Colts get extra picks for 2021 by doing a trade in this draft. And then I guess if uh, Mike mentioned a player, a player that I could really see the Colts drafting in round two is Michael Pittman Jr. for USC. Um, Mike, you and I actually spoke to him a little bit at the combine. He just really fits with the Colts tend to look for what they need. Six four athletic uh, father played in the NFL. He just, he just seems pro ready. He seems to get it. And he seems like the kind of player who can produce right away in this offense. Agreed. My Colts bold draft prediction is uh, the Colts will make three deals, at least this weekend, three trade deals. I think if we went out saying one, you're like, Duh, idiot. Of course, they're going to make <laughs> one. Chris Ballard always does something. So one is not a bold, bold prediction. Two, yeah, you know, okay, I can maybe get on board with that, but I, I'm going bold, guys, and I'm going three separate moves this weekend. I don't know if they'll all be with uh, with draft picks. There could be something to do with an O.J. Howard or a Cameron Braid or someone else around the league, but uh, the Colts get a grand total of three or more deals done this weekend. So I think it's going to be an interesting weekend for Colts fans while watching their TV and listening to see what Chris Ballard uh, has to say about this year's draft class. What do you guys think about that? Three trades for this weekend. I like it. Quincy Wilson for O.J. Howard, straight up. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. I, I would drive Quincy Wilson to Tampa for that. <laughs> I would drive him to Tampa, too, and I would come back with Wawa, and I would share it with all of you gentlemen. Or perhaps a Delco cheesesteak, which is also uh, in the, uh, the Dunedin area of Clearwater. So a couple of fine Philadelphia traditions down there in Tampa Bay. Uh, I have to mention Syracuse University, of course, because we haven't had any other mentions of Syracuse on this podcast today. I'm contractually obligated to mention my orange. Looking forward to seeing Kendall Coleman, Robert Mathis's prospect himself, former Cathedral Irish, being taken somewhere in this draft. Several other local guys as well in central Indiana, Levante Bellamy, a kid from Pike and Brebuff. Um, also, uh, Jeremy Chin from Fishers, who's probably going to be projected to be a second or third round pick at safety uh, out of southern Illinois. I'm um, looking forward to seeing where all those guys go and, of course, where the Colts uh, and who the Colts decide to take 
in uh, their picks whenever and wherever they may be. You can follow the Colts Blue Zone on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone, as well as Fox 59 and CBS 4 Indy uh, for constant live coverage of the Colts draft and the NFL draft in general this weekend. We'll be sharing some live reactions to draft um, for immediate reactions to draft via our, um, our social media. And also we will have a live pre-draft show broadcast on Fox 59, the Blue Zone draft special at 7.30 p.m., Fox 59, Thursday evening. That leads you right up to the start of the draft, which begins at 8 o'clock. And then also we'll have a Blue Zone draft recap special at 7.30 p.m. on Sunday. When all is said and done, we'll be able to put some stuff together on Sunday when the draft is finished. I'm sure we will talk to uh, our venerable Mike Chappell to get his take on the draft uh, from start to finish and see exactly how the Colts shape up for the future when this draft is complete. But for now, we do thank you for listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Please download and subscribe to get this delivered to your podcast listening device week after week. And we'll, we, will, we will see you next time for plenty of post-draft content on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.